The Old Testament reading for the baptism of our Lord comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, beginning at the first verse. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord, all nations. For great is his steadfast love toward us. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the sixth chapter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his... We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. And the Holy Gospel, which serves as our text for the sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Luke, the third chapter. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, 
who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. And this is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we celebrate the baptism of our Lord. When Jesus Christ came to John to be baptized, when the voice of God the Father declared Jesus to be his Son, while the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. It is a high holiday in the church year, as our pyramids are white. It's a day that we commemorate each year on the first Sunday after the Epiphany. But let's be honest, it's also a little bit of a confusing day, isn't it? Because baptism, as we all know, is very important. Baptism is a gift from God that initiates faith and washes away our sins. Baptism is something that we all need. But Jesus doesn't. He doesn't need those things. Jesus is perfect and holy and does not have any sin to be washed away. So why do we as a church celebrate the baptism of our Lord each year? And for that matter, why was Jesus even baptized in the first place? Well, the short answer is not what I'm going to give you. To understand Jesus' baptism, we must first understand our baptism. We know it's important, it's central to our divine service and our entire Christian life, but what exactly is baptism? What does our baptism mean? Well, let's start by being clear on what baptism is not. There are some very common misconceptions taught by many denominations that ignore or contradict what Scripture says about baptism. Baptism is not your declaration for Team Jesus. It's not you publicly telling the world, Hey, I'm a believer and God loves me and I give my life to Him. That's our confession. That's our life. That's not baptism. Baptism is also not a magic ticket into heaven where if you're baptized but live a life of just rampant sin and don't give a hoot about the word of God, it doesn't mean that you magically get into heaven. Baptism is not something that you put off until you have your life in order, because the fact is, you will never have your life in order well enough to deserve God's gifts. It is a gift that comes to you freely while you are dead in your sin. It doesn't depend on how well you're doing, on what you believe, or anything of you. It is God's gift. Baptism is not something that you should withhold from your children until they can decide for themselves. Because again, it doesn't depend on them. Would you let your children decide whether they want to eat or not? Whether they want to go to school or not? Of course not. You know these things are good for them, that they are necessary, and so you tell them, this is what I will give you. You don't withhold those gracious gifts from God just because they might not understand it. 
And in the same token, baptism is not just a convenient way to introduce babies to churches. Baptism does something. Even for that little infant who can't understand it, can't put it into words, won't even remember it except by looking at the pictures. Baptism is not anything that you as a sinner can do. It is entirely the work of God. It is thrust upon you. It is a gift that you are given while you are dead in your transgression because dead people can't do anything. Luther's small catechism puts it this way. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is the water included in God's command and combined with God's word. It's that word that makes baptism baptism. The same word that forgives you of your sins each week in absolution. The same word that makes his true body and blood present here in this Holy Supper. The same word that created all things in just six 24-hour days. The same word that became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what makes it a baptism. And that is the power behind that baptism. The creative power that made all things. The forgiving power that forgives you all your sins. That's what baptism is. Baptism is God claiming you from the devil and refusing to let Satan have you despite the fact that you are a sinner who deserves hell. Again, in the small catechism, Luther asks, what benefits does baptism give? It works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. Baptism isn't just something that you do to be nice or because everybody else in your family has done it. Baptism works. The efficacious of God enters, word of God enters into your life, cleanses you of your sin, and declares that you are His. Baptism is God joining you with Jesus Christ, placing His name upon you as you become a Christian, joining you with Him in His death and in his resurrection. As we heard Paul write in Romans, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. There's no doubt about it. There's no question. There's no maybes. Baptism is a certainty because it is God's work, not yours. You don't have to wonder if you did it well enough. You don't have to think, well, do I remember it well enough? Did I say the right words? It's God, and he does not do anything wrong. And in that baptism, God makes you a new creation. You who were dead, who were nothing but sin, are made holy, are cleansed, are raised to new life. Again, the small catechism says, what does such baptizing with water indicate? It indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, 
and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. In baptism, you are set free from sin. Not that you don't sin anymore, but now sin is no longer your master condemning you to eternal hell. And as a baptized Christian, you now have the option to not sin. Before faith and baptism, everything that you did, no matter how good it might have looked, no matter how pious it might have seemed, it was entirely sinful and unclean, for without faith it is impossible to please God, impossible to do anything but sin. But now, however, by grace, through faith, given to you in the waters of baptism, knowing God's will and respecting it, you are not doomed to being sinful in absolutely every thought, word, and deed. You're still going to sin, don't get me wrong. As long as you are this side of heaven, you will have to contend and fight with the old Adam within you, that sinful nature that loves sin, that wants to do it always, that wants to turn away from God's word and follow the ways of the world. But as a baptized Christian, you now can fight your sinful nature. Where before you couldn't, it ruled you entirely. Now you can resist sin and turn away from it. Do that which is pleasing in the eyes of God. Again in Romans 6, talking about baptism, Paul writes, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means! Which is essentially the Greek equivalent of Duh, of course not. That's a dumb question. Why would you even ask that? As a baptized Christian, you now want to do what is right and pleasing in the eyes of God. Not to earn his love, because that's already been given to you freely. You are loved by your heavenly Father. But you want to obey his word out of respect out of love for your Heavenly Father, and because you trust that His ways are better than the wicked ways of the world, that His Word leads to life and salvation and life in the fullest, and the ways of the world lead to degradation and death and shame and heartbreak and ache and pain. In baptism, you now are no longer a slave to sin, but you have been made a child of God. That's what baptism does for you. It sets you free from sin. It works faith in your stony, sinful heart. It washes away all your iniquity. It unites you with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. And it makes you a beloved child of God. All these things are given to you with the simple water and the word of baptism. Applied once where you may not even remember it. But it is God's doing, not yours. All of that is given to you in the eternal waters of baptism. And that's why we get a little confused when we hear about Jesus' baptism. Because he doesn't need any of these things. So what does Jesus' baptism actually mean to me? Well, when Jesus entered the waters of baptism... He sanctified and purified them for every single other baptism that ever took place. Now normally, when the clean enters the unclean, unclean wins. 
Jewish law held that there were certain things that were clean, certain things that were unclean. And when the clean and the unclean came in contact, both things were left unclean. If you were ceremonially clean and touched a corpse, you were instantly unclean. We see this in regular life too, don't we? Wear clean socks and step in a muddy slush pile in the kitchen, you don't get clean water, you get a dirty sock. But Jesus' holiness, his perfection, they are so perfect that he purified the waters of baptism to make us sinners holy. He who was clean came to what was unclean, us in our sin, us dead in our transgressions. And rather than us making him unclean, he made us clean. But the sin had to go somewhere. The sin couldn't simply be forgotten about, couldn't be swept on the carpet. God didn't wink his eye and say, ah, it's okay this time. It had to go somewhere. It had to be paid in full. And so Jesus took it upon himself. All the sin all the guilt, all the filth that your baptism washed off of you, it was instead laid upon Jesus. In some ways, you can think of his baptism as kind of a reverse baptism. You enter the waters as a sinner, and you come out holy and perfect and righteous and clothed in his robe of salvation. He entered them holy and perfect and righteous, and he came out bearing all of our sin. Every sinner who is baptized, every sin that is washed away, all of it is laid upon Jesus Christ. And in love and mercy, he willingly bore that staggering load all the way to the cross. He suffered and died for the sins that were washed away from you. He endured the pains of hell that your sin had rightly earned. He willingly gave up his perfect life under the weight of your sin, giving himself as the only sacrifice good enough to atone for all your wrongdoing, all your transgressions against God, all your sin and guilt. By entering the waters of baptism, Jesus willingly joined himself to you. And because he did so, your baptism now unites you with his death to sin forever. But even more importantly, it unites you with his resurrection to eternal life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And being united in Jesus' resurrection means that you are given all that he has. You, a sinner who deserved none of it. You, a sinner who deserved only eternal hell. You are given his very robe of righteousness and perfection that covers you, clothes you in his perfection. You are given his victory over sin, death, and the devil so that they no longer rule over you. You are given his eternal life so that once you lie down in the sleep of death, you will rise again, never to die again. You are given entrance into his eternal kingdom. Something that you could never do as a sinner because sin is not allowed in God's presence. But that sin has been taken from you. And even now, as you walk here through the valley of the shadow of death, even as you struggle with sin and fail often as we all do, 
He is united with you, giving you his strength, his word, his promises that you no longer are a slave to sin, but you are his beloved child. To be honest, Jesus didn't need to be baptized, but we needed him to be. And since his every action is for our benefit, he did it. Without hesitation, he humbled himself to enter into those murky, filthy, sin-filled waters of baptism so that they could be purified and made perfect for us. He gave baptism the power to wash away our sins and willingly took all those sins upon himself. He gave us a precious and eternal gift that is so simple that the world mocks it, derides it constantly, completely gets it wrong. But by that gift of baptism, we are saved from sin, death, and the devil. By plain water united with the word of God, we are baptized into Christ's death and his resurrection, made partakers and benefiters of his perfect sacrifice on our behalf. And we are given the full benefits of the victory that he won at the cross and the empty tomb. All Christians who have been baptized rejoice. For in those waters of baptism, by the cross and empty tomb of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.